You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. I think this is where I say good morning, right? And expect a mediocre response from the, the group. But no, it's, uh, it is an honor to be here this morning to have the opportunity to, to share God's word with you. I, I do want to thank Amy and Ashley as far as helping to prepare my heart even in worship this morning, the nerves and the excitement of, of, of what is. But thank you guys so much for that. Those that have maybe looked ahead at the, the Connect card, um, I had to place my faith in, in Jason and, and John this morning. Jason said that this mic was not on during worship, and uh, I'm at the mercy of John with my slides. So, John, have, have forgiveness and grace for all of the hard times I've given you. But it is an awesome weekend as far as a holiday weekend. We get to celebrate Independence Day tomorrow. Um, 1776, and I know Walt's one of my history buffs, I saw you here this morning, Walt, but it's something that 20 years after uh, the Declaration of Pendants, George Washington, on his way out of the presidency, penned his farewell address, and in that, he warned the young country about many things, including the dangers of abandoning religious and moral principles, and encouraged them in the right way forward. Much of the address was quite prophetic about the challenges America would face in the immediate and distant future. If you're so inclined, it is worth reading, okay? But over the past few weeks, we've been studying a different messenger, a biblical prophet, the messenger of God, Malachi. And in the same way, he warns us of the dangers ahead, of straying from God's design, and encourages us to remember who we were made to be. So I'm going to read our passage this morning And for those interested, the version I've been working out of is the ESV. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one? with the portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and do not be faithless. Before jumping into the blessing, I want to throw out a quick disclaimer. I understand that Marriage is the specific context of this passage, but the principles are much deeper than that. So if you aren't married, don't tune out. Furthermore, I know some of you feel like your marriage relationship is thriving right now. It's on good terms. It's going well. And for others of you, that's not the case. I want you to know I'm sensitive to that, but I'm hopeful that God has a word for you in that too. So the blessing, that's a, the blessing's an original concept to me for all of you out there. I didn't steal that from anybody. But the blessing today is when we are faithful to God, we will avoid being faithless to others. When we are faithful to God, we will avoid being faithless to others. 
This word faithless in my ESV translation may appear as unfaithful or treacherous in in the version that you're reading, but it shows up five times in six verses. If it shows up five times, we better understand it, because if we don't, we're not going to get what God's trying to tell us here. The Hebrew word for that is bagad, and in doing a deeper study into that word, it can mean traitorous, untrustworthy, deceitful, hazardous, not true to duty. Not a list I want to be used to describe me. The opposite of that is being faithful. We can think of being loyal, steadfast, true, and unswerving. An illustration that was helpful for me in unpacking this is the idea of sin in the Greek word uh, in the New Testament translating as missing the mark. A faithless arrow is going to be bent. It's broken. It doesn't hit its target whereas the faithful arrow is true. It hits the bullseye. So when we are faithful, we are going to fulfill the purpose that God had for us in that. It's funny, we look at you know, God's design, sin's corruption, brokenness. Does this sound familiar to anybody? It's the three circles. This is a tool that we have used to help share the gospel. And Ellen, you probably thought you weren't going to get mentioned today because Keith wasn't preaching But I've had the privilege of hearing you unpack the three circles before, and it's a treat. And so I know we have that resource um, to use. There's a great book that goes with that. But it's something that this passage in Malachi, it's the Old Testament, but the gospel message runs through the entirety of Scripture, and we get to see that today. So again, as we look at that, that first aspect of being faithful to God, we need to keep God sacred. We need to keep God sacred. So in looking at this first verse in our passage, have we all not one Father, one created, one Creator? This opportunity is available to all of us. It isn't something that was just set aside for ancient Israel. It's not meant for a certain country or a certain race. It is available to all of us. As we look at Genesis, I mean, this is from the beginning. This isn't a new concept. And talking to Abraham, and all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Later in Acts, which we just finished recently, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It was never meant for just a select few. God's message, God's gospel, God's son is for all of us. There's a unity in Christ, and that's what's emphasized here. Malachi is appealing to have we all not one father. So what distinguishes us? Those who follow Yahweh are called to be holy. Leviticus 11.44, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Peter references this again in the New Testament. It's repeated. This isn't just an old Leviticus law that we kick to the side. He's calling us to be holy. So what does that mean to be holy? I'm going to give, give you one other Hebrew word this morning. Kadesh. Sanctuary. That's what's specifically referenced in Malachi 2.11. What was the offense? You've profaned the sanctuary. So when we think of the idea of sanctuary, it's set apart. We were made with a purpose, with a plan. It was not meant to be indulged in the world, but to fulfill God's purpose for us. In Deuteronomy, he references going in to encounter all of these nations. He says, don't make a covenant with them. I have a covenant with you. I'm the one that has covenant with you. Don't marry them. It wasn't some awful thing. He said, for they would turn you away from me. 
There's a purpose for that. It's not an arbitrary idea not to intermingle. He's saying, I know what will happen. I need you to be set apart for me. If we look at a passage in 2 Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. This idea of holiness, Jason talked about this last week too, God's holiness can be intimidating. But what it means for us individually is that we are wholly his. As Keith talked this morning referencing you know, the Supreme Court decisions and the scripture that references he knew us from the beginning. There was a purpose for us. And that purpose, that plan, was not meant to be something that was distorted by sin and corruption. It was meant to be wholly his. He's shielding us from idolatry. That's what this is about. It's not about saying, don't do this because I don't, I don't want you to have fun or do all these things. It's, I know where that leads. I imagine a father wrapping his arms around us and holding back with his hand all those that would come to attack. That's the vision of this heavenly father having sanctuary with us. So what's the cost of straying from this? As we look in this chapter again in Malachi, he says, May the Lord cut off the descendants of the man who does this, losing connection with our loving Father. If that's not the definition of hell, I don't know what is. To be separated from God's goodness, from his love, from his son. He's talking about this is serious to be cut off. The story doesn't end there. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of the cross, is that we are reconciled back into that. And when we are, we are fully sustained. We have scripture that references this as well. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. As Keith mentioned again in, in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Particularly impactful for me was Jesus talking to the woman at the well. She's coming to this realization. I want that water. I want the living water. And he says, whoever drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. It will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We're going to be sustained when we abide when we live in that covenant relationship with God. And that's not something that will, will leave us. So what does he ask from us? Weeping and groaning on the altar? As Malachi 13 references? Not at all. He wants our hearts. This was something Jason talked about last week too. With Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart. 
O God, you will not despise. And also in 1 Samuel, sorry, John, I went back backwards on you. Has the Lord God as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. He knew their hearts. This weeping and groaning, it was, it was for show. It wasn't sincere because he was witness to the faithlessness between them and the wife of their youth. And so God desires our hearts. He discerns our hearts. He knows us, even if we didn't want him to. There's no escaping that. But he wants that heart. That's what he desires. Not an elaborate gift, not some show. He wants our hearts. And Jesus calls out the Pharisees for this in the New Testament as well. He sees right through that, and he sees right through us. But it's not a condemnation. It's an invitation. So we've talked a little bit about this vertical aspect as far as being faithful to God. It's with that and from that that we look out how we can be faithful to one another, avoid being faithless. So with that, we need to honor God's relational covenant. With that, we need to be true to one another. As we explore this, Old and New Testament, God gives us an outline. He sets a form for how we can be true to one another. In Matthew, we get the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Something we all learn in middle school, elementary school probably even, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It comes from Christ. It comes from the Bible. How do we relate with one another in those interactions? How do we care for one another? Treat them as you want to be treated. Secondly, be true to one another by being loving and unified. In Ephesians, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Now, church, I want to pause here for a moment because I think there's such wisdom here for us as a church body in the midst of challenging times, personal struggles. It's interesting, there's no qualifier on this passage from Paul, that if others are doing this to you, then you ought to do it to them as well. No. And I would encourage each of us, myself as well, to spend some time looking in the mirror and reflecting on this passage in particular. So I'm going to read it again. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Again, that's my prayer for our church this morning, especially as we move forward with that. But a lot of this passage also talks about the marriage relationship. And later in Ephesians, there's such a beautiful picture outline of God's design for marriage. We look at Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Again, this isn't some 
authoritative, restrictive, awful idea. It's a God who sees beyond and knows the pitfalls we'll face. And the encouragement is to, again, love one another. Again, husbands, love as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Ephesians, the very end of that, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So as we move from all of this, this is great how we interact with each other, but what's the point of it all? It moves very quickly to, what did God want? Godly offspring. Multiply God's kingdom. Again, the design from the beginning in Genesis, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God desires godly offspring. But this isn't something that's defined by blood. It's defined by behavior. Again, this is something that we see in the New Testament is some of the Pharisees are so obsessed with their pedigree. I'm descended from so-and-so. I have this royal Jewish blood. He said, you're missing the point. It's not about your last name, your inheritance from an earthly perspective. He said, this is about obedience. This is about behavior. You are mine. And that, that is the offspring he desires. As Paul talks in Romans about the the nation of Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. But that's good news for a lot of us in the fact that it isn't restricted to to blood, or to a pedigree, or to an earthly inheritance. We don't have any control over that. We have no ability to move beyond that. But the gospel tells us we don't need that, because we are all children of God. We are heirs of Christ in Galatians. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This idea of Heirs is expounded upon in Romans as well. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So again, this is good news. This is the gospel message for us. He desires godly offspring. So how then do we do that? What does this godly offspring look like? We need look no further than the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Again, the all. The gospel is meant to cover the ends of the earth. It was not restricted. But we have a responsibility to go and make disciples. That's not that it's our work that converts anybody. The Spirit of God is always supreme in that, but it's something that as we look at this, we have a responsibility to go and make disciples. In my ESV version, I thought it was especially important to highlight this idea of the garments of violence and injustice. 
to be clothed in, in garments of violence, it's not going to be very effective for making disciples. It's actually quite the opposite. If that is our outward representation of our internal condi- condition, violence and injustice, we're not going to be effective in winning those over to the kingdom of God. Luckily, God's word provides wisdom on what we instead ought to clothe clothe ourselves with. How about Christ? It's always a good answer in church. (laughs) Something that is referenced in Romans. Also, the armor of God. I know we don't wear a lot of armor now, but what a beautiful picture. It's especially funny right now at home because my son's been learning a little bit about the armor of God. He's also got this infatuation with Star Wars. And so... When asking about how would he defeat the Sith Lords, he would put on the breastplate of righteousness. I like the idea, bud. We got a little bit more to work with there, but that's, it's something that to clothe yourselves in Christ's likeness and the tools that he gives us to fight back the enemy, that's what we ought to put on every day. Colossians also adds wisdom here. Clothe yourselves with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love. This should be our outward representation. As Christians, there should be something different, and that should be observable to those around us, again, so that we may go and make disciples of all nations. I was telling Keith this morning, I was glad they gave me a passage that lended itself really well to setting up a sermon, because the last part just gave me my application. So, Go yourselves, guard yourselves, excuse me, and do not be faithless. This is, again, something that's repeated twice at the end of our passage. What does it mean to guard yourselves, to keep, to watch, and protect? First off, study God's word. Now I want to read from from Psalm 119, just a beautiful passage. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now, church, I know this isn't always easy to study God's word. There's some parts that lend itself to being more easy to understand, more simple, and there's others that are far more difficult. But it is worth it to try and understand what our Heavenly Father has told us. My dad talks at length about this is a love letter from God. How would we not want to know what our Heavenly Father has written us? And again, it's hard work. There's some parts that are very difficult to understand, but I guarantee you that it is worth investing in. And I also know that whether it be our pastors or our elders or other individuals in this church would be more than eager and willing to come alongside as we try and discern and understand God's will for our lives. Secondly, we need to flee temptation. In Proverbs, it says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. 
Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. I don't know about you guys, but I've been humbled a lot in my life, and I'm sure I'm going to continue to be. There's times where I wish I was better than that, or that I wish I could have been strong enough. But guess what? I'm not. And the good news is I don't have to be either. But how foolish it would be to flirt with sin and, to t- and temptation. We know there are certain things that would seek to pull us in and to distract us, to deceive us. Stay away from it. Don't play with fire. It's not something that is going to yield fruit. And God gives us warning of that so many times to flee temptation. How great would it be to have part of our garments ripped off like Joseph, running away from Potiphar's wife? That's the image I want for us because it's lurking. It's crouching at our door. Do not open it. Do not crack it open a little bit. Run away. The last part of guarding yourselves, maintain accountability. Galatians talks about bearing each other's burdens and restoring gently. We were never meant to live this life alone. We were meant to live in community, to encourage one another on in that. We referenced earlier the armor of God. One of the beautiful pictures of that, whether it's intentional or not, I think there's significance in the fact there's nothing on your back. There's nothing on your back. That's because we have each other's backs. As the body of Christ, we're there to fight alongside one another, to carry each other on, to help each other out. That requires honesty. It requires vulnerability. It requires being intentional. But it's worth everything. It's worth everything. The second aspect of this is to be faithful. Guard yourselves and be faithful. We need to be honest with each other. The truth has to be a part of our relationships. We can't, we can't move forward without the truth. Christ says, I am the truth. And so we can't help, hope to have good accountability, meaningful relationships, if there's a barrier of mistrust. Satan's called the, the father of lies. There's a reason for that. There's the truth. There's the lies. We have to chase after the truth as well. Sometimes that's really difficult, especially with those closest to us. But we're never going to progress into a meaningful point in a relationship, especially with our Heavenly Father, if we're not honest. Secondly, we need to love steadfastly. Proverbs talks about what is desired is steadfast love. And that's not a conditional love. It's not circumstantial. It's constant. It has no room for for faltering when things get difficult or uncomfortable. And sometimes we don't feel that. It would be much easier to, to walk away, to throw in the quick jab, Say, I told you so. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to mirror the love of our Father who was there and endured everything for us. Finally, we're called to look outwardly. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It seems so cliche sometimes to say, well, think about other people. Don't think about yourselves. But we're called to do that. 
Because the more we look internally and focus on all of our needs and concerns and questions, we're distracted from loving our neighbor. We're distracted from the missional calling in life to make disciples of other nations. This isn't to dismiss what you're feeling and what's going on, but it's something if if we're so self-focused, we don't have eyes to look outward. It's so essential. It's Keith has mentioned before, open eyes, waking up, going out in your day, looking outwardly. It's awfully hard to hold animosity when you're constantly praying for someone. In these relationships, if you're struggling with certain things, are you praying for that person specifically? It's something that we have to look outwards to quiet the pride in our hearts and ask God's help in that. We mentioned earlier, I'm not strong enough to do that on my own. I'm not just going to wake up one day and resolve that I'm going to just be better. It hasn't worked out, and I'm 33. I don't think it's going to work out in the next few years either. I need God's help with that. There's an invitation to say, I need you. Soften my heart. I'm convicted sometimes how often I pray that other people would have this or do this. Oh, I need that work. I need that work. And so that's something that I would invite all of you guys to spend some time looking outwardly, focusing on others. So I'm nearing the end. It looks like I'm okay on time. That's good. That's good. I'm sure those back there and kids' men are, are happy with that. I bet David is. I talked to him this morning. He wanted to make sure I didn't go over it all. But no, it's something that, uh, again, coming back to that blessing. I know this concept has been unpacked for us before, but that vertical relationship with God, it has to be there. We have to have that. We have to be abiding in him, studying him, dwelling with him, inviting him into our lives. Without that, there's no hope of having faithful relationships with those around us. And so that is my encouragement to us, again, is to be faithful to God so that we may avoid being faithless to others. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your design, how you have crafted all of us for a purpose, and you've crafted this church for a purpose. God, I ask for your favor. I ask for your blessing. Spirit, pick us up where we are weak. Lead us in the ways that you would have us go. Help us not to be distracted, to be turned away by the lies of this world, but instead bring us to a place of genuine repentance. Bring us to the foot of the cross. Humble us, Lord, and restore us in the way that you promised. God, I pray for our relationships. I pray that you would soften our own hearts. Lord, allow us to live out the mission that you called us to in loving one another. God, when we are weak, you promise your faithfulness. That will never leave us. I pray that you would remind us of that in the dark moments. Carry us forward to be the people that you created us to be. Amen.